I'm so glad we were able to get together, guys. Uh, you have been bothering me quite a bit, uh, and I think some of our listeners have been asking that I spend a little bit of time talking about a hobby that's very important to me and has been a big part of my life, uh, and that is the miniature wargaming hobby. That's the hobby where you build and paint model soldiers and uh, play war games with them. And I think specifically, tonight I'd like to talk about a little thing called Warhammer 40,000. I mean, I want to first just like dispute the premise that I've been clamoring uh, for you to explain. I mean, I have all these. I thought you were. I got all these text messages from you. Wait, let me check my phone. I'm just uh, worried. I'm not. I haven't seen Warhammer one through thirty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Am I going to be confused? Oh, see, I have nicknames for everybody in my phone, and when I saw messages from Psy Guy, mm-hmm. I thought it was you, but it's actually my friend Raphael. So, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, and then there's yeah. also your friend Shy Guy who just sort of walks yeah. around. Yeah, and that's, and... that's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> or uh, or it could be my friend Charles Xavier. So. Mm-hmm. No, it's all right. I mean, you know, you've done all this uh, work. We might as well, uh, you know, uh, continue rolling. So, uh, well, Elliot, you don't have to worry about it. You brought up the fact that it's Warhammer 40,000. The reason why it's 40,000 is because the the game is set far in the future, the year 40,000 to be exact. Now, is it 40,000 years after the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I think so. I'm not quite sure. By then Uh, they just say the common era. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So... Uh, and also, I think it's it's particularly timely because a new edition of Warhammer 40,000 was just released. Let me hold up this rule book. You guys see that? The, oh, the, yeah, the epic that. struggle depicted on the uh, the front of that book. You have on one side, you have Abaddon, the leader of the Black Legion, formerly the first captain of the Sons of Horus, formerly the first captain of the Luna Wolves, carrying demon sword Drachnian in one hand and the Talon of Horus in the other, facing off against the pride of Ultramar himself, Raboot Gulliman, the Primarch of the Ultramarines. Now you're probably uh, wondering... Okay. I mean, you have, you probably have some questions, guys. I'm probably wondering, how much did you make up just now? <laughs> <laughs> now, Ultramar- uh, Ultramarines like the color, I assume? Well, of course... Good uh, question, Dan. Very good question. That That is a good question. The Ultramarines, of course, are a chapter of Space Marines. That's right, Adeptus Astartes, the Angels of Death. They mm. are the elite soldiers that were created by the Emperor 10,000 years ago using his own gene seed uh, to be the perfect warriors and help him conquer the stars. Now, now back then, now, the Emperor on, now, was wait, not the God Emperor. What? I don't mean to slow you down. So this doesn't take place in the United States of America. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. No, it takes, uh, it takes place against a vast tapestry of stars, all the heavens, uh, because... <laughs> Humanity has gone out and conquered millions of worlds spread out all across the galaxy. And you're probably wondering, how how are they able to keep track of such a vast empire? Of course, it's because they use a dimension that is outside of our own, uh, tr- like, normal, uh, you know, senses. That, of course, is the warp, uh, a basically a dimension of chaos filled with demons and all other kinds of bullshit. Mm. And they're able to communicate <laughs> using, that's right psychic humans that were are able to communicate with each other and you're probably wondering how are they able to navigate through these vast uh from one end of the galaxy to the other of course they have to tear a hole through the warp and then use the emperor's astronomicon to guide them to another hole in the warp are you guys following now, wait hold on i know here's a here's a question i mean I i'm actually following it pretty straightforwardly uh, by this point yeah. i mean I, it slips off my brain so i i'm not but here mm-hmm. here's a question i have what uh this is a game correct 
Yeah, of course. Now, what I mean, is the advantage to having... It's also a hobby and a lifestyle, but continue. <laughs> now, what is the advantage to having a story behind a game? Because, you know, see, there's a, it's, there's games like, say, Sorry, where you know... <laughs> there's that a what, story there, too. The, well, yeah, Sorry mean, the sounds like story. You want to go around the uh, you want to go around the board. You want to get mm-hmm. home, and mm-hmm. you don't want to be sorry. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> no, no, Dan. Actually, each each playing piece it shows you to have never read the top of the box. I'm sorry. Each playing piece represents one clone clone of the Imperial Majestrix. Or now, the Imperial Majestrix is a sort of uh, god being at the center of the universe who, as a game with himself, has split his psyche into multiple shards, and to see which uh-huh. one of those shards will make mm. it first to home or enlightenment. And now when you hit a sorry, yeah. what's actually happening is you are devolving to primordial stages until you uh-huh. end up as a normal human, and you have to rebuild your XP classes until okay. you get back to shard status. So that's, I mean, it's right there on the inside it's of the box It's very interesting. I don't like the game Sorry anymore. I mean, I haven't <laughs> played it since I was like eight, so maybe I wouldn't I mean, like well, it anyway. So but. maybe you like a game like Clue more, which does have a story. Clue takes yeah. place on the holodeck of an uh-huh. Imperial Navy oh, wow. starship in yep. which they've decided to take a break from the bloodshed of trying to impose uh-huh. the Federation I rules see. on alien planets uh-huh. by pretending they're in a murder mystery. Mm. Yeah, Dan. That's what okay. that's what Clue is. Now, the thing about course, Warhammer Monopoly, 40, and Monopoly is all about how uh, capitalism destroys us. Now, you're yeah. probably wondering, how many different chapters of Space Marines are there? Well, there's almost uncounted, but there's only about <laughs> 20 Primarchs, okay? And the Primarchs are like, kind of like the platonic ideal of a Space Marine. Are you following me? Okay, so you have Reboot <laughs> Gulliman of the Ultramarines, Conrad Kurz of the Night Lords, you got Jagadi Khan of the White Scars, you got Perturabo of the Iron Warriors, you mm-hmm. got. Uh, am I just listing names of things again? Oh, Dan's yes, writing are. all no, these down. <laughs> no, no, he's getting them down in case yeah, he's he like, uh, got to uh, Lionel got... Johnson of the Dark Angels. Okay. I got to get uh, Sanguinius, of course, the uh, the favored son of the Emperor, the most beautiful of the Primarchs, Sanguinius of the Blood Angels. You got Fulgrim of the Emperor's Children. You got Mortarion of the Death Guard. So, yes, so. I- when you so this game, so are you playing as these characters? Or are you playing against these characters? I'm, I'm having trouble. <laughs> a little bit of both. Now I want <laughs> the opposite uh, of Dan. I'm wondering where the game element comes. Yeah, in. and I just like, gonna uh, recap here. We got Trimark, Doctor Robotnik, Lionel Richie, and Fulcrum. <laughs> yeah, actually, you got most of them right. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. At least partial credit. So the the thing is that the uh, the Space Marines are just one part of the the great the great puzzle of Warhammer forty thousand because you're like do they only fight each other do they only fight the traitor legions like the Black Legion the Death Guard the Night Lords etc. Uh, but no, of course not. There's there's a variety of different aliens that humans also have to battle like the okay. Tyranids, the Orcs, the Tau, the Eldar. Etc. Eldar, so uh, the Eldar were the ones that, uh, so that Eldar, Robin Williams wait, liked. What? I think we both have questions. So, Dan, you're saying that orcs are aliens, which is... Uh-huh. Yeah. And so Beldar from the Coneheads is nope. in there? That's, that's, that's a common mistake. It's the Eldar, uh, which are kind of like space elves. They're elf uh, aliens that uh, when they die, their consciousness is trapped in a uh, in a soul stone, like a like a little like a little jewel, and then they collect them all and they stick them in a giant uh, spaceship made out of wraith bone. Are you following me? Okay, so let me. I have two <laughs> questions for you at this uh-huh. point. Yep. The first question, and I'll ask you the two questions, then I expect the answer. The first question is: Is Warhammer kind of nothing more than? fantasy tropes wrapped up in a bs sci-fi story to make mm-hmm. them seem like they're more than just a tolkien-esque ripoff and two when does mc hammer come in 
Yeah, that That's first a- question was basically. I'm looking up images of Warhammer, and so this is like like fantasy people in like robot suits. That's actually pretty close, guys. It did. I mean, Warhammer uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand uh, has been around for quite a while, uh, and I I think it did kind of spawn out of your traditional uh, Tolkien fantasy world, uh, but it also had. Uh, it was basically an excuse for these English guys to play around with a variety of soldiers and to, like, kitbash their models. And I think at the time, there was a lot of fantasy models uh, for people's D&D games or whatever. And they're like, well, let me take a gun off of, like, a little World War II soldier and glue it into this elf's hands. Oh. Isn't this an awesome thing? So I think that's kind of what what happened. And then it, you know, over the years has spawned into this much larger uh, nerdy thing. And uh, also... The like kind of uh, like like kind of silly black humor of it has kind of been uh, has kind of been washed away a little bit. And also, I feel like the translation of that kind of English like tongue in cheek, like fantasy futuristic humor uh, doesn't necessarily translate super well to American audiences. Do you know what I mean? Like the American audiences take it a little more seriously. There's a certain sort of nihilistic, violent, bleak science fiction humor that you mm-hmm. get from England, you're kind of like Future Shocks or Steve Eilert stuff or, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, you're like and here, your various 2000 AD properties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get that makes it like Judge Dredd is a joke in England and here he's like a super cool dude. So I don't think we've even talked about how we're playing the game. Now, when well, you play I, I kind of want to know when MC Hammer comes in. That was my other question. <laughs> we're we're going to get there. I can't get there right away. And if I try and teach you how uh, to run before you learn how to walk, you're just going to fall on your little face, right? And then you're going to have to take an armor save. There's no way. I do have a little face. face. <laughs> no, my face is smaller than a normal human's face. I'll admit it. Yeah. I'm just saying you're going to have to take an armor save when you take that hit. Okay. Now, you're not falling just from say, a particularly I'll... high distance, so it's probably only like a strength one hit, mm. uh, and it doesn't have an armor penetration value, so you're going to get your full armor save. So why don't you pull up your stat block, Elliot? <laughs> what is, what's, your, uh, what's your armor save there? Okay, I don't know what the armor save is. I will say my face smallness, I will admit, for a pillow, I do use a little pack of, of clean, a portable pack of Kleenex, uh, uh-huh. you know, one of those plastic wrap packs. That is how small my face is, that that's what I use as a pillow. And uh, in order to wash my face, I do use a toothbrush uh, and use that as, to, as if it was a regular brush. Oh, so that's, that's pretty adorable. small. Yeah, and I also, uh, to, as a mask, instead of like a full a full size mask, I just take uh, like... Um, like you know the plastic that you pop out of a of a package that goes on a hook at a department store. There's that little piece of plastic that uh-huh. that pops out. Yeah. I just yep. poke holes in that and I make a mask now, out of it. Elliot, so I I I, am- I, I, I want to uh, talk about something you just said. Now you said you use a toothbrush to clean mm-hmm. your face. Now yeah. do, are you do you think that a normal sized uh, a person would use a brush uh, to clean their face cuz I have I mean, I'll let you in the, on a little bit of my shower uh, secrets I have okay. one of those uh, long <laughs> That's why we're long, here seems long, like the subject of its own mini but that's <laughs> one of those long shower brushes and I'll tell you it's it's great for reaching your back when you can't reach that it's great for uh-huh. uh, Getting your legs if you don't want to bend over all the way, but uh, I've never really used it on my face. It's it's a little rough for that. It's interesting that you use that for your back because for to wash my back, I actually take a tree with very uh, harsh Mm -hmm. bark and I uh, take it into the shower with me, of course, (laughs) and then I scratch my back against to get all that dead fur off my pelt. Go on, 
Dan, I just assumed because the average human's face to me is a vast expanse, like a football field. Oh, I assume I you would need uh-huh. a brush of some kind to clean, or right. even a broom, if you will. Uh, whereas my teeny weeny itty bitty whittle biddle face, <laughs> uh, I just use a toothbrush for that. And again, okay. I live inside the front shirt pocket of a, of a computer programmer, and I just peek out every now and then with a little nightcap yeah. on. And so I don't. Again, I sleep in a sardine can. So you yeah, know, and I remember. <laughs> I remember when I when uh, when quarantine first started, and we decided, to, you know, it was uh, made known that everybody should be wearing a face mask. I actually went to a department store and bought a doll's eye patch and I mailed it to you and you had to return it because it was far too big for your face. It was exactly. I remember I received that package. The doorbell rang while I was taking a bath in the thimble and it took me hours to get from my bathtub, a thimble to the door because again, this is a regular sized human's house and I had to traverse it. I had to get on my aunt uh-huh. and ride it across the vast expanses uh-huh. of the of the hallway. And when I got there, I was so excited to get it. Of course, the package fell on top of me. And I had to call my aunt friends over to help lift it off yeah. because I couldn't lift it myself. But once they opened it with the help of a friendly mouse, uh, I was able to try it on. It was just a little too big. That's what's so great is that you're you're bringing up themes of both like a modern uh, modernity of like a house and a postal service, but then also kind of like uh, anachronistic ideas like riding like a riding beast uh, in an ant. And that's one of the great things about Warhammer Forty Thousand is that kind of mix between <laughs> old and new and futuristic. Yeah, you can really feel the the guy who used to manage a, a Warhammer <laughs> store in Stu. Right oh now. man, uh, a guy who would spend all day in a mall in Georgia waiting for people to walk by eating Auntie Anne's pretzels, and I would try and coax them in with a smile to try and play a demo game where I would explain how the Space Marines would battle a warband of orcs holding their bolt guns and missile launchers and the various sound effects I would make when they fired those weapons. Stuart, can you speak a little (laughs) bit to the popularity of uh, extremely uh, extremely complex games with a lot of uh, backstory? Because... I, 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 you know, I'm joking a little bit before, but uh-huh. I don't want to work that hard to do a game. And I could see once you're in that world, like really enjoying it. It's not like I don't get that, but the idea of you coaxing someone in to play an example game, uh, the whole process kind of baffles me. Oh, I mean, I think a big part of it is, uh, I mean, generally the the way you get people interested in that sort of thing is you show them like painted models that look cool. Mm. And once you put a cool thing in somebody's hand, uh, if they're interested at all, they're going to, you know, they're just going to listen. And also, you know, when you got a, when you got a great voice that just kind of creates this world around them. Uh, but I feel as far as like complicated rules and backstory, I mean, it's all about like escapism. mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of what fantasy and all that stuff is built on is losing yourself in a world or a story and tying that into, a world that you can then like create for yourself on your kitchen table and then uh i don't know play a, do do a battle i see and then <laughs> so, uh, but i also as a the shopkeep so you're saying you're selling the sizzle not the steak yeah exactly that's so you could be you could be a, a trainer for games workshop uh-huh. <laughs> one two one two Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors. and Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor, and I'm a medical enthusiast, and we create okay. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week, I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately, we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday. Right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided 
medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, and what's your deal? <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. Uh, now, uh, Stuart, uh, so is this like a, a game you play by yourself, or is this somebody you play with another person or multiple persons? Well, that was that's kind of the thing that I like about it, is that it's something that you, uh, in order to play the game, you kind of need someone else. Uh, but it's a hobby that you can do on your own as well, because you sit around painting the models by yourself. So it's not just something that you like. Not a, It's not like buying a board game and you sit around waiting for your friends to come over. No, no, no. You buy the game and then you're building and painting the models. And then when you do have a few spare hours that you can go see one of your friends, then you can set up a battlefield in the back of your, I don't know, say, uh, bar while it's closed one afternoon and play a game by, with your friend. Now, how would you uh, advise someone like me, who's roughly the size of one of the models, how would I paint one of them myself? Because it's, it would, I'm going to need like a roller, a little teeny tiny roller, and I'm going to need enough paint. But again, like, I'm, how am I going to mm-hmm. get the top of the figure? I'm going to need like a little bitty ladder and all that stuff. I mean, I feel like uh, knowing your ingenuity, you would create some kind of a pulley system using uh, like a spool of thread, and you would wrap it around the model, and then you'd pick it up and like <laughs> dunk it into the paint pot entirely, mm-hmm. and then you would create some some kind of a thing to spin the model so the excess paint would fly off like a dog shaking its back. Uh, and then you would also dip it again. Uh, you'd use a popular, uh, old popular painting of uh, models where you would paint the entire model one light color and then you would buy a container of Minwax uh, furniture stain and dip the model on that and then shake off the excess so that the whole thing gets a nice shade coat. And also it makes it more durable. Uh, does that all make sense? So you'd be doing that. Okay, it makes total sense. I liked when you were saying that Dan was nodding as if this was something uh-huh. he had done in his own life. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, Minwax. Use that shit all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm, a, handy, I'm a, a handy guy yeah. stuff around the house. Yeah. yeah. Is that like uh, uh, turtle wax, which I use to wax all of my turtles every you last You got one. to. You got to keep their shells slippery or else eagles can pick them up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or so that Mario Brothers will step on if them. If you don't keep them uh, slippery, a scorpion might get on the back and convince that turtle to take him across uh, the river, but that scorpion I mean, does not wish that turtle well. I mean, if anyone is is should take the scorpion across, it's a turtle who has a hard shell, not a frog, as no, is usually I know, used in I that story. I know the frog is the usual story. For the purposes of uh, of my bit, I was uh, transposing a couple of aquatic animals. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's just you shouldn't have picked one that is notorious for having soft skin with one that's notorious <laughs> for having a hard <laughs> the, shell. The, the head would be extended while he was swimming. No, they had a hard shell, also no, known for being wise mm-hmm. and good at uh, at ninjutsu. Yeah, yeah exactly. True. If that scorpion tries to sting, it's just going to block it with something that Master Splinter taught it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, I, I don't know. So, I, I, for anyone listening, Minwax is obviously the smaller version of Max Wax. Okay, Stuart, uh-huh. continue. So we've, I mean, we've covered quite a few points. Uh, do you guys have any more questions for me? I think I've kind of gone over everything here. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, hmm. Uh, if anything, so, I feel like well, I wait, know less I I about Warhammer than So there's, there's, before. I forgot to mention the Primarch of the Word Bears is Lorgar, of course. So what's a Word Bear? 
a word bear. Uh, yeah. A word bear is a one of the the, the first founding uh, Space Marine chapters. Uh, I know you're imagining that it's a bear made out of words. That's yes. because I said the word bearer uh, shortened with my accent. Oh, uh, word they, bearer. Uh, yeah, they're one of the original traitor legions that turned uh, that turned to the gods of chaos. Now, the gods of chaos, there's four principal deities here. You have Korn, the god of slaughter. You have Nurgle, Wait, like the god the of pestilence. Korn? Nope, it's spelled K-H-O-R-N-E. Oh, but it still uh, and, sounds like corn, like maize. It has, yeah, it's, I, I did not mispronounce it. I pronounced it 100% correctly. It sounds exactly like the food and or band. Is so there, then ever, there's a, Nurgle. Now, is there ever a misunderstanding in the world of Warhammer between the food corn and the chaos god corn? I'm assuming say, it happens pass, all the time. Please pass the corn, or could I put some butter on my corn? And that could lead to all sorts of misunderstandings. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it would be it would it, it would certainly cause misunderstandings, I if mean, not like problems, because then the you would do that and then the corn berserkers would show up and yeah. they would be attacking you with their chain axes. And you're like, yeah, you don't why would you make an axe with a chainsaw blade on end? And then you're like, I guess that makes sense because it's just going to chop right through my armor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So there's uh, Nurgle, the god of pestilence and plague. Of course, you know, the jolly grandfather. You had <laughs> Zinch, the god of magic and trickery. Uh, and then, of course, you have Slanesh, the dark prince, the god of pleasure and pain. So, so who do That's you, Dan's who do you, favorite, I would imagine. He's like a Cenobite. He's mm-hmm. a Cenobite. Sounds like. So which god do you pray to if you're like opening a business? Well, I mean, it kind of depends on the nature of the business, right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I guess. Okay, so let's say it's a, let's say it's a container store. Okay, well, if it's container store... Now, I know store, container then... store is the opposite of chaos because you're literally buying things to organize yeah. your life. But... That's a good point. That would be like uh, more of Malal's territory, but we're not talking about Malal today. <laughs> but uh, there's always the chance with a container <laughs> store situation that um, you, you buy these containers with the best of intentions and then you uh-huh. get them home and it's just more stuff in your home because you, you, you yeah. just don't... If you're the sort of person who needs containers... You know, uh-huh. maybe. Well, and you buy the containers and then you're like, no, let me buy more stuff to put in these containers. Right. And I feel like that's why I think this I think you guys are answering your own question. Right. That's right. Let's say it all together. That's Zinch, the that's chaos god of mischief. The chaos god of what was it? Mischief. Of, Medicine. Of magic and sorcery. Yeah. Magic and sorcery. Right, and of course, right, right. Uh, and Zinch, of course, the the chapter of Space Marines that turned to him were. Of course, the Thousand Sons, led by Primarch Magnus the Red, the Cyclops. Mm-hmm. The Cylons. Now, wouldn't, this chaos, wouldn't the Chaos God of Magic be Orko from Masters of the Universe? Because his magic never works. No. <laughs> or the, that guy from The Last Unicorn. His uh, magic was pretty unreliable. the Magician. Shmendrick yep. the Magician, yeah. Yeah, Shmendrick the Magician, I feel like, would worship Zinch, the God of Magic. Um, so... I think I mean I'm covering pretty much everything, but I'm going pretty I, fast. If you guys I, you guys have uh, any more questions, are you, you wondering what the stats on a bolt gun are? Well, of course <laughs> they. <laughs> I mean, um, yes, I am, but I don't know if I'm there yet. Did you say anything about gameplay? Did I just space out for that entire part? <laughs> no. Or okay, you know you need another person unless you're painting. <laughs> uh-huh. Now. Humanity, of course, is beset on all all sides. Of you know, course. not only just is there like the enemy in within, the gods uh-huh. of chaos, and then there's the enemy without. That's uh, that's Xenos threats, like mm-hmm. as I said, the Eldar, and then there's the Dogtown Boys. Yep, Dogtown and the, Z- the Orcs, <laughs> where the Orcs are a play on your like traditional fantasy Orcs, but they're kind of like a fungus-based life form <laughs> who have this collective, uh, like this collective psychology, where just getting a lot of them together, they uh, they harness this energy called the Wah. And the Wah energy allows them to kind of do all kinds of stuff, like make their machinery work and also make them better at battling. 
Okay, now I apologize. I think I stopped paying attention for three milliseconds, and I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. anymore. Now, the Tyranids, of course, they are a play on your t- traditional xenomorph. Uh, the original versions kind of look like a mix between like a bug and H.R. Geiger's xenomorph. And then it kind of got even more like the xenomorph, like the alien queen from Aliens. Uh, and that was when Sigourney Weaver came into my Games Workshop store. And I was like, <laughs> hey, recognize anybody? I didn't actually say that because I was a little bit too nervous. It was Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. But she bought a pot of paint for me and left. I think she was trying to fix a piece of uh, like a lamp that had been chipped. I don't know. I was pretty nervous. <laughs> so she didn't uh, start talking to you about Chaos Gods or, I mean, uh, or the Ultramarines. Or... I, no, I got to be honest. She didn't talk to me about the Ultramarines. Much more interested in beloved actor Sigourney Weaver. Uh, <laughs> how was your interaction? Was she nice? Uh, it was It was very brief. I was very nervous. Uh, mm-hmm. I asked her what she needed the paint for, and she told me. And then I rang her up, and she left. And then I called my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds about and right. And my mom was very excited. So if I can, okay, so if I want to summarize what I've learned about Warhammer 40,000 today, uh-huh. it is that, yeah. one, it is very complicated, and there's a lot of names in it. Did I even did I it even was, mention the Necrons yet? I haven't even talked about wait, the wait, Necrons. If I, if I want to get the summary points, okay, one, it's a uh, game that's very complicated. Two, I still don't know how you play the game. Three, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver does not play it. Is that accurate? Uh-huh. That's the summary? So, so far, and, so far, and, you're and 100% also, on there. You, you don't play it alone. We do know that. You, 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 I guess you theoretically could, but I don't think you're going to get much out of the experience. I mean, it's like trying to play chess alone, against though. yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. It's okay. Uh, we we should probably uh, wrap up uh, oh. pretty soon because yeah. I feel like I've I've in, I've ing- in, ingested enough facts about Warhammer that my head will explode if I take uh-huh. any more yep. in. Yeah. Uh, okay. There, well. So here's my. So I'm. A, let's say I'm Sigourney Weaver. I came in for that uh-huh. pot of paint, yeah. and you got to uh-huh. sell this Warhammer to me. Just give me your your fa- your best ten second pitch. Okay, my ten second pitch to Sigourney Weaver. I would say, <laughs> uh, hello, Sigourney Weaver. Okay, you're cutting uh, into your time. I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm cutting into my time, but I'm trying to no, get him to know. No, but he's like, making like a personal connection by showing he remembers her name. Okay. Establish a rapport. That's the first and now, thing. Yeah. I'm still going to Weaver. My back is up now because I know you've recognized me as a celebrity. You're probably going to ask me to autograph your copy of Death and the Maiden, and I don't <laughs> autograph anything anymore. So what, what, what do you say next? I say, don't worry about autographs. I don't like them. Okay, now I th- now I think it's even weirder than if you had asked me. Mm-hmm. And I'm making eye contact with a capital <laughs> I. No, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> so then I, I'll I'll lead her over the de- to the demo game table, and I'll say, "See, see anything cool?" <laughs> Still see, making eye contact wait, the whole time. Does, so you so, lead her over so what, like her thinks that you're hitting on no, her at this I'm, point. No, I'm, I'm leading her over there exclusively with the way I am holding my body. There is no contact at all. Gross. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how you do that exactly. Are you wearing a cape that you could use to gesture dramatically? or I don't Sorry. need a cape. It's just the way my shoulders are positioned and the way that my legs propel my body toward the table. I don't know. Okay. Now it feels like maybe you're blocking the door. I feel yeah, weird now, about now, this. So Sigourney Weaver is now looking blocking for an the exit. Door. I, did, I didn't have to say that. I assumed it was kind of built okay. into what I was <laughs> so I say, notice any? Do you see anything cool? Uh-huh. Eyebrows arch at this point. <laughs> oh no! Okay, I think uh, Sigourney Weaver. She of course already... said she would say yes at this point. So I would <laughs> she say, would say yes, whatever you. Yeah, sure, whatever, because she just wants to get out of there. Yeah. So sure. I would, I would put some dice in her right hand, 
uh-huh. and I would put a, a ruler in her left hand because you're going to need a ruler when you're playing the game. <laughs> I would say, Very exacting. gaze upon this battlefield, Sigourney Weaver. On one side, we have the fierce warriors of Kalth, ultramarines from Ultimar, mm-hmm. fighting an army of space I orcs. I think we've gone around the, I think we've lapped ourselves yeah, this, here. Uh-huh. I think, I, I think. okay, let's, I'm just going to Weaver, I'm just like, yeah, I'll buy it. Okay, sure, I just want to get out of there. So yeah, you sold a Warhammer. Uh-huh. So I would then turn to the camera, and I would do a fist bump and say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you play And then Warhammer. I would have one of my staff ring her up. Mm-hmm. And I would be, uh, I would be r- like rubbing my palms together the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd say, "See you next week for a painting lesson." And then she would say, "What? What's going on? I don't understand." <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd nod knowingly, and I'd expect her to show up next week for that painting lesson. So that's Warhammer Forty Thousand, guys. I think yeah. I think we made it pretty clear. You guys uh, both seem sold on it. I'm... So I guess I'll see you guys back next week for a painting lesson. <laughs> Sh- sure, I guess, yeah, whatever. I, I think so. That's all so, I needed. Someday we'll learn how to play it. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.